What's up, guys? It's Matt and Leslie. Uh, thanks for joining us on Table 40. Um, today, we have John and Jenny Kitna. Um, we're so happy you guys are able to join us. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, you guys have a really cool story to tell and just kind of looking through some of the background stuff uh, of where um, you, know, you guys started. John, you were a three-sport athlete in high school. Leslie and I have been talking about that. We have, we have boys uh, a lot like you guys. I know you guys have boys and, and a daughter. Um, but in talking like kind of nowadays with the specializing of sports and, and all these kids, our, our boys obviously play baseball. You know, I played baseball. Um, and I don't know that the specialization is, is quite the same in football. You tell me. But, um, you know, I think everybody thinks that they need to be on these um, travel teams and they need to be play in all these tournaments year round. And, and you know, I, I played multiple sports and I think it's important. And, and I, I'd like to hear your kind of take on playing multiple sports, what that helped you with? Do you, do you encourage your kids to play multiple sports? And, and what's that look like in, in your mind? Yeah, well, first of all, you have to use the term loosely when you say three-sport athlete when it comes to me. My wife was a three-sport athlete. I happened to play three sports. I don't know that I was much of an athlete. I ended up being a quarterback. She was more of an athlete with track, volleyball, basketball. And I played basketball, played, played football, played baseball. But uh, – I was just more of a competitor. And, you know, when you talk about the three sports and, the, and the, uh, you know, just kind of the value of it, it's just the different body movements, I think, number one, and then different coaching styles that you have to adapt to, that you go from, you know, one staff to another to another. And then obviously just learning gameplay and just the IQ of different sports and how things work. And I'm fortunate, uh, I hated football. Like, hated it. I don't even know why I play. I, I still, like, don't understand why I kept playing in high school. But I guess it was more because if I didn't play, how was I going to hang around my buddies who were playing? And, uh, like, I loved baseball. Um, it was my thing. That was all I wanted to do. Um, but my buddies, that's, you know, they played baseball. I, I loved baseball. And uh, so, but the three-sport thing, and it is it's hard. It's hard on kids now because it has gotten so, like, year-round and specialized and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I know in the baseball world, you know, you talk about these top college baseball programs that they won't recruit a kid that didn't play, you know, two sports in high school because they want to see that he knows how to compete. It's not just this, you know, this robot that plays baseball or whatever it is. And I know, you know, football it happens the same way. A kid, you know, coaches come in and talk to me all the time. And the first question they ask is, what is he, you know, what other sports does he play? And, uh, you know, what does he run in track? Or does he, you know, does he play baseball? What position does he play in baseball? Because they want to know. They want to know that you can, that you actually have, you know, some roundedness to you. But um, it's certainly more helpful to play more than one sport. It just, I know that it's hard. It is hard because you watch your buddies that they specialize early on in seventh or eighth grade and they're out doing these tournaments that have, you know, college scouts at it and stuff like that. And you're thinking you need to be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, that helps to be there. But I've always said, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. Totally agree. We agree. Jenny, how about you as a, as a female athlete and someone that was very clearly the most athletic one in your family? Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is your opinion on this for females? And, and um, like, what well, do you think about that? It's kind of interesting. Our daughter did not do much sport. Um, we always thought that she be really talented at it but she just was never really interested in it um 
until she got out of high school, interestingly enough, but um, she was just more crafty. Um, so I've been kind of out of that realm of women's sports for a while now. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, for our, for our boys, like we've just, we want them to do what they love. And, um, I think when they were young, we kind of, uh, focused on just the things like gymnastics, track, um, they weren't too interested in soccer, but just letting them do the things that they like and the things, the sports that built overall athletic ability. And, um, and then, you know, when they started, I really tried to get tennis players, golfers, um, you know, swimmers encourage those sports. And I ended up with three quarterbacks and a daughter that works in football equipment. So <laughs> I think there's just something genetically, I don't know what it is, but I, I had them at the tennis court, the pool, we lived on golf courses. I mean, we did what we could do, but you know, it's football. <laughs> <laughs> football all the way. Oh, that's fun. All right. So, so you guys went to school together or went to college together and that's where you met. Is that right? All that creeping around on your, on Wikipedia and all that stuff. <laughs> that was correct. And yeah. so oh, we're losing you. Oh no. Oh, there, there you, you go. There you go. We got good. We got you. <laughs> who knows this is hard we <laughs> this is you never know what you're gonna get when we hit record it's just kind of like well hopefully it works out and so anyways do you guys like laughing at us I love it <laughs> this is with us you guys went to college together and you met there so let's talk about that a little bit how'd you guys meet <laughs> uh, well I had seen Jen around in college I was an idiot I was the classic college boy idiot um i did not know jesus at the time i'd seen her around and i wanted to meet her but our, you know our circles didn't run together she was older than me uh i was a freshman and i was all of a freshman and she was going she was in her third year of college well after christmas break i saw her at a party uh, that i happened to not be coherent at and uh when I saw her, you know, I had a whole bunch of courage at the time. We call it liquid courage. And I immediately went up to her and uh, told her that we should dance. Um, this is my version of the story. Uh, to hear her tell her, she says she thought Fire Marshal Bill walked up to her at the time. <laughs> and uh, she was like dancing, but trying to get her friends to come and get her like away from me. And we had run into each other a couple of times after that. And I thought, you know, I thought things were going well. I thought she was responding to my vibe. It wasn't, she wasn't, <laughs> uh, she was interested in another guy. And, and, uh, but you know, our circle started to kind of intermingle. And after, after about six months, I think she, she noticed that I didn't look like what she wanted me to look like. Um, or she wanted her husband to look like, but I had a lot of the traits personality wise and stuff that she was looking for. So she felt like she could look past the look thing and gave me a shot. <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I, I found out he was the fun guy, like that always wanted to do, you know, do things, go places. Uh, he was, he was the action guy, the, uh, the 
exciting part of every party, you know, it all centered around John. And so um, he just had a personality that drew me to him eventually. <laughs> <laughs> had to so work what, about, what about your faith? And so you weren't a Christian at the time. And, and where does that kind of start to come into this? Yeah, so Jen and I, we started dating uh, that summer uh, after our fre my freshman year. Um, I think that was like 92. And we were dating for a little over a year. And uh, October of 1993, as a matter of fact, you know, it was the whole on again, off again, you know, stupid college guy. You know, I was an idiot. I was an alcoholic. I was, I was womanizing. I was cheating my way through school. I was stealing. Um, you know, just kind of everything that, you, you know, you would never want your child to be. That's what I was doing. Now, on the outside, it was great. Like, football was going great. I was doing well. Uh, you know, we were winning. Uh, you know, I, I was smart enough to make it through school and, and do well in school without having to put much effort forth. But in October 1993, she caught me in bed with another girl. Uh, and, and it was that night, you know, there was kind of a little bit of chaos that ensued. Jen was pretty upset, obviously. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't imagine. <laughs> I don't know why. But the other girl left and her and I were talking. I'm not sure why she stayed. Um, you know, we've been dating a little over a year, but she stuck around and we, we talked and I said, I don't know where this, you know, why all this is happening, but I, and I don't know what this means for us, but I need to go back to church. And, uh, that was a really interesting like phrase that came out of my mouth. Cause I'd never been to church. Like, you know, I went to Lutheran school, uh, you know, when I was in, in, in grade school, I went to Lutheran school up through fourth grade, but we didn't go to church. We didn't, that wasn't us. We never saw a Bible, talked about the Bible. I never knew anything about Jesus, like completely naive at 21 years old. But those words came out and I meant it. I meant it. And there was a guy that I had seen some changes happen in his life and I didn't know what they were. Um, I mean, he, you know, I'd seen him a couple months earlier and it's like, man, something's different about him. So I called him up. I said, man, what, tell me what happened in your life. Why, you know, you changed. And he started sharing the gospel with me. He told, told me about Jesus, told me why Jesus came, and uh, told me about forgiveness, told me about crucifixion, told me about redemption, told me about, uh, you know, Jesus ri rising from the dead. And now he's seen at the right hand of God. And I was like, man, that's exactly what I want. I need that. I need it. I can't, like, I want all of that. And, uh, and two weeks later, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, for my first time in my life. Uh, I remember praying for about 30 seconds and staying on the floor for about 30 minutes while I was praying and God just kind of replaying my life and just kind of the, the fool that I had been. And uh, after I, I received Jesus, my Lord Savior, all by myself in my, in my, in my apartment and, you know, things weren't going good with her. And I let her know. And she, I think she was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Skeptical. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I told my parents, uh, told me my dad was like no clue my mom was like you know okay great son my grandma though who has a faith she was like i've been praying for you and all that stuff so i started telling my friends and and for the next three months i kind of just went into this it was almost like i don't know it was almost like god isolated me football finished obviously and all that stuff but uh, i just started reading this book called uh, my utmost for his highest my young life guy from high school i told him i got saved he sent it to me and I didn't know any other believers. And the guy who led me to Christ was playing for the Jets at the time. So I didn't have anybody around me. And I'm not trying to go to parties. I'm not, I know enough to know I shouldn't be doing that stuff. 
And uh, I start reading this, my utmost for as high as daily devotional every day. And, uh, and just reading as much of the Bible as I could. And the guy who was with the Jets, he came back to finish his degree. Now this is January. He came back to college to finish his degree. He had two semesters left. And uh, when he came back, he started a Bible study. And uh, he said, hey, man, we're going to start a Bible study. You should invite some people. I'm like, ha, ah, man, I, I haven't really gone public necessarily with my faith. But, you know, I'm an all-in guy, so it's no problem. You know, I'm not, like Jen said, I was kind of, you know, things revolved around me for whatever reason. And so I invited her. I invited my roommate because it was going to happen in our hotel, in our, in our apartment. And we invited one other guy on the team that was like this good guy. I never saw him like do anything wrong. <laughs> so we started out this Bible study. It was five of us. And, and that night, Jen got saved. Uh, the guy, the good guy, rededicated his life to the Lord. And my roommate got saved. And that Bible study went from five people. In a matter of six weeks, it was over 200 kids on the college. And uh, we moved it out of our apartment into this you know, common area where we, they just let us have it. And, and uh, that Bible study is still going on to this day. It has no affiliation with any like ministry or anything. It was just this Bible study this guy started teaching from the book of James. And so, you know, that's when, that's when you know, Jen kind of, you know, gave her life to the Lord. But she had, she had a little more faith than I did growing up. Yeah, I'd grown up just a little bit in the church here and there. I had friends who um, had pastors for parents or would take, I had a coach that would take me to church with her sometimes. So I had a basis, but I think that night in that study, I actually understood what a relationship with Jesus was all about and that it was a relationship, that it wasn't like a ritual or a, the you know, just the um, just going to church or whatever, but that you were learning how to be more Christ-like. And so it just made sense to me finally. And, um, and so, you know, we entered into that journey together of, um, you know, what does it mean to live this Christian life and what does it mean to be saved? And, um, John was a few months ahead of me as far as his study and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we just, tried to see, well, what's our relationship going to look like going forward? We had spent this year together um, not knowing the Lord. And so now that we do know the Lord, you know, things kind of change. And so we just had questions. And um, as we walked through the Bible, we, um, you know, we were just trying to figure out, should we be sleeping together? Okay, well, we shouldn't be doing that. Um, so, so let's stop, let's stop doing that. Um, should we be spending the night at each other's house? Uh, no, we shouldn't be doing that. We don't want to give the appearance of, uh, wrongdoing or evil. And so we stopped doing that. And, um, we came across a verse that, um, in Corinthians, uh, seven that says, or first Corinthians seven that says, um, better to be married than burn in lust. And, he looked at me and I looked at him and he was like, I think we should get married. <laughs> so that was his proposal. Nice. And it was, what was the timing? Like six months after that, six months after that um, we ended up getting married. And um, this week actually were, or next week, excuse me, we're celebrating our 26th year of marriage. Mm -hmm. So um, God, I, I don't know that it was the best, the, the perfect timing as far as us being ready and prepared to be married. But I think 
the Lord honored our desire to just see the word, read the word, and do the best we could to try to live the word. And we said, hey, we want to, you know, be all in and we want to live according to God's word. And so he's honored our marriage uh, for these 26 years. And it's been awesome. Yeah. So. so how does this transition? So now your guys are in college and then you're moving into an opportunity to play in the NFL. We read a little bit about, I don't think that was the plan, if I'm, if I'm correct, reading that, that you kind of thought about being a teacher and maybe coaching and moving on or. It was the prayer. It was the prayer that we planned. You know, I, I always tell people all the time when I, when I first got saved and the guy who started, you know, the guy who led me to the Lord, Eric Bowles, and he, he taught me how to pray. And he said, man, God is not afraid of you praying about anything. It is not wrong to ask God for whatever. So we're married and you know, it's a little over a year that we're married. Jen is teaching and coaching. I'm finishing up school. And, uh, you know, I'm from an NAIA school. NAIA just doesn't happen. Like, the NFL doesn't happen from there. Although, you know, I'd seen one guy go. So, to me, that was like, there's a chance, right? The old dumb and dumber thing, right? <laughs> there's a chance. Yeah. And so, but, you know, to me, I just took God at his word, which is, Man, I can pray about anything. I can ask him for anything. So Jen and I, we prayed that God would open up a door for us to get in the NFL and that he would give us one year. We just said, just give us one year to get out of debt and we'll go into teaching and coaching and we'll continue to do your ministry. But that'll help us just get out of college debt, get out of getting married debt and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and so going into my senior year, I had no idea the significance of it at the time, but Dennis Erickson, who was coaching for the Seahawks at the time, he was the head coach there, his nephew transferred in to play running back for us right before our season starts. And, uh, and he was a good player and all stuff and whatever. I saw some, you know, his, his wife, Dennis Erickson's wife and his sister-in-law would come to a couple of games and, or come to all our games. They were like the super fans. It's <laughs> NAIA football. There would be like a thousand people at the games, maybe, right? It's like nobody there. So you knew if they were there. And, uh, and Coach Erickson actually came to a couple of games. But then after the season was over, uh, he invited his nephew and myself over to do a workout with the, at the Seahawks complex. He was just trying to get us seen by other scouts who were in town. And, uh, we, you know, we sit around for a couple hours. He's not really interested. We sit around. We're waiting for these scouts to show up. None of them show up. And I think he kind of felt bad that we were sitting there. And so he comes down to work us out himself. And we, you know, we did it. We ran a little bit. I don't think it was very impressive. And we started throwing. I started throwing. I'm throwing to his 13 year old son. He's just like, here, stand at 10 yards, stand at 12. And I'm throwing. And, and as it's going along, like, it's, it, you know, you, you probably know, Matt, like you, one of those days, it's like, you can't miss, right? Like the ball is just, it goes wherever you're looking. And that was that day. And I say, like, four or five times in my life, I feel like you could put a fruit loop out there and I throw it through it. Like, that was it. That was that day. And, Everything he asked me to do, I did it. It was a great workout. Lasted about an hour. And, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars showed up right at the end of work workout. And him and the, the general manager were like, you're not working out for them. You know, <laughs> they kind of wanted to hide me or whatever. I'm just naive. I have no idea. Whatever. And, uh, and you know, we're just like, Lord, we just really want a chance. That'd be great. Hometown team, awesome. They end up signing me as a free agent uh, after the draft is over. We go in there. and. And, uh, 
you know, he's just like, come on in, don't worry about anything. You're going to be on this team practice squad at worst. And so that's kind of how it went, just getting the door, in, or, you know, your foot in the door. And then all of a sudden God just kept working pieces. We had a great ministry with the Seahawks. With, that's how I got connected with PAO was Todd Peterson was like, hey, you and your wife are going to this marriage conference called Pro Athletes Outreach the first year. And I'm like, we have a great marriage. I don't need that. Like, what do we got to go to that for? <laughs> but we're like, well, we'll go just because it's a free trip to San Diego. So we pay for it. So we're there, you know. And so we go and, and all of a sudden we're getting connected with Carl Payne, who's our chaplain with Seahawks. And he just teaches us everything about the word and, you know, how to defend our faith and why we believe what we believe and getting connected at PAO and the great ministry of people with the Seahawks that were there. Um, great mentors, some people that really taught us about marriage and about how to walk with the Lord. So, you know, one year that we, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, you know, God could do more than exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And that's our career. You know, 16 years playing in that league, you know, you could have never, ever convinced me that that would happen. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So, but to get 16 years playing in that league and play well, and, uh, you know, on, on some level play well, it was just a humongous blessing and all the different teaching that we got. So, I, I, so you, you backed up and you started and, and you, so you, you ran the gamut of, of yeah. different roles. Yeah. What, I guess, you know, what, what did you learn? What, what role was easier as far as, as being a Christian and, and having an impact on your teammates? Is it easier as a starter, as a backup or, you know, it's, you're not quite as, I don't know, you tell me, um, it's not as quite as intense as the backup, you know, as far as being ready for the game and, and all that. Well, talk to me a little bit about what that looks like in, 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 as an NFL quarterback. Yeah. One of the great things that Carl Payne, you know, like I said, was the chaplain with the Seahawks for 20-some years. One of the great things he taught me very early on was you do not get to choose how God is going to bless you you don't get to choose what positions he puts you in. Your job is to be obedient in whatever position he puts you in. That's your job. Your job, he said, the world wants to tell you that there's bigger platforms if you're this or that or this. He said, in God's eyes, you're supposed to deal with your platform, however, whatever his circle of influence he puts you in, you're supposed to take that and be obedient and be a good steward of that. And, you know, the Bible says that, you know, he who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. And I know that that's talking about eternal things, but I believe it has a, you know, a worldly impact for us. And so I've seen it both ways. I've seen as a starter, you know, if you're playing well, everybody wants to be your friend. And if you're not playing well, it's hard to find people that want to talk to you. You know, I mean, you probably experienced that with that as well, but you know, it's just, it's kind of part of the deal. Uh, and so there's both, both, it's both and. Um, I've seen as a backup, I mean, in Cincinnati, in 2002, excuse me, 2003 in Cincinnati, I was a comeback player of the year and, uh, in the NFL. And we just missed the playoffs. We missed the playoffs by a touchdown. And uh, the Cincinnati had been in the playoffs for 20 years. And we just missed it and all that stuff and, and things had gone well. Well, we had drafted Carson Palmer that year number one. And, and – and so at the end of the season, I, you know, I played really well and all that stuff. I played every single snap. Carson didn't play a snap. And, uh, and so Marvin Lewis brings me in, you know, in February. He says, hey, John, we're going to go a different direction. We're going to, you know, we're going to 
give Carson the job, you know, to be a starter and all that stuff. And he said, you know, would you like us to find a, you know, maybe somebody that wants to trade or be a partner in that? And, I, and, and, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to be the best backup you've ever seen. I would love to be this guy's backup. If that's God's role for me, great. It's whatever God wants. I, and I told Marvin, you know, I said, look, if God wanted me to be the starter here, I'd be the starter. Here. And if not, that's not my job. That's not my job to be, be uh, to say what I get to do. My job is to be obedient where I'm at. So, um, so now the season starts and, and off season program and all this stuff, and I'm coming in and I'm my same. I'm my same self. I'm trying to be my same self. I think I'm my same self. And I'll never, I'll never forget T.J. Husmanzada. He stops me. I'm walking through the locker room as I get there one day, probably a month into things. He stops me. He's like, "Kid, come here, man." He said, I got to understand this. He said, I don't understand how they took your job from you and you walk in here every day and you're the same person. You still got the same smile. You're smiling, laughing. You're still engaged with everybody. Yeah, I don't understand. He said, if they did that to me, man, I'd be ready to fight somebody. I'd ask for a trade. I'm out of here. Da, da, da. And I got a chance to witness to him, which is, I don't, again, I don't get to choose that. My job is to be obedient right where God has me. And so, I think that, you know, we put, as, as, especially as Americans, we put too much emphasis on what the worldly stature we have is. When God is saying, just be obedient with whatever I have for you. You know, that person that never get, is never going to be on TV, is never going to sign an autograph, is never going to sign a million-dollar contract and have four houses and all that stuff, they, they have just as much a platform as any of us. And, uh, but the world says differently. And that's a shame. You know, I think about my grandma who just prays and prays and prays and had seven kids and, you know, 20 some grandkids and all that stuff. And she's got to see all of her kids come to know Christ. And that's significant. And, uh, and so there's been some cool moments though, getting to wear these cross caps. And, you know, when you're a starter and you're in front of the camera, people see them. And, uh, you know, you got messages and all that stuff. It's great. But you better be living that message because people, when you do that, when you put yourself out there, as you know, they're, they're looking for you. They're looking for a reason not to follow Christ. And, uh, and we want to give them reasons to follow Christ. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah. you did. Jenny, was this your approach as well? I mean, I, I know, like, my role on um, being married to Matt while he was playing professional baseball there was lots of opportunity for Bible studies and just conversations about the Lord and, and um, doing life with, with the other gals on the team. And so was, but it can be kind of hard, especially as a quarterback, it's different. So baseball is a lot different than football. Like there's one quarterback. And so I think sometimes it can be really competitive. Like I learned this from, we were talking to the Hasselbacks the other day and Sarah was just sharing about how um, it was difficult because there were, there were three wives three quarterbacks and that circle got a little bit weird. And so I'm just curious, like what your role was as a woman that is pursuing Jesus and supporting your husband and, and also trying to um, live a life that honors the Lord. What was that like for you um, in those, all those years in the NFL? Well, I think, um, you know, I was very fortunate because like John said, we had an amazing um, just setup of mentors. And um, so I really learned how to be a woman of God, um, a wife, a mother, 
um, in those Bible studies early on in John's career with the team. And it's, uh, it's really interesting how as you, so he was in Seattle for five years and then we went to um, Cincinnati for five years and then Detroit for three and uh, Dallas for three. But at some point, and they don't warn you that this is going to happen. Like you're just bopping along and you're like the young one and you're learning <laughs> from everybody. Right. And then all of a sudden you change teams and they're, and everybody's like, Oh, we're so glad you're here to share your wisdom with us. <laughs> and you, become, <laughs> you become the wise, the old ones. Yeah. you know? And so, um, but I feel so fortunate because I, I was there to learn and then I also got just the opportunity to be more of a leader, a spiritual leader amongst the women. Um, I did learn early on. I remember being a young uh, quarterback wife and we had an event and um, another, um, the, the starting quarterback wife was there and, you know, she had this amazing ring and she had these amazing stories of all the things that you know were involved in her life and all this kind of stuff and this was at the beginning of the year and I remember it was a really tough year for her husband and so I was thankful early on I learned just to never you never want to look at somebody else and be like I want to be them mm -hmm. because you know it's, you can be the, um, the hero one day and you can be the goat the next. I think John alluded to that a little bit. And so just trying to be very even keeled, be very down to earth, um, is really what I always tried to be. And honestly, two of my, you know, two of the people that I would really like consider two of my best friends are quarterback wives that I met along the way. And so, um, I just always really thought it was important as quarterback wives to like stick together because they really know, you know, how that works as far as like, you know, being the the hero or the goat or just this kind of different stress that it can be to be to be that person. Um, even the, one wife, our husbands battled back and forth, you know. Uh, one would be in and one would get hurt and then the other would go in and he would get hurt and then the other would go in. And so we like went back and forth all season. And so, um, but we had a great relationship and, and, you know, both grounded in the Lord. And so I just thought that, you know, that was one of my most endearing friendships uh, during that, the 16 years. So. That's awesome. I think too, like we would, there's a couple more things we want to pick your brains about and then we'll let you go on your day. Since <laughs> Feel like we're taking a lot of your time but I would love for you guys to give us some marriage wisdom um, because you have been married a little bit longer than we have and I have heard you guys speak several on several occasions at PAO and um, I, I love the things that you have to say about marriage and just whoever wants to go just go and give us some some marriage wisdom yeah um, go ahead <laughs> It's interesting that you brought that up. I, I'm discipling a couple of young guys that aren't married yet, and uh, they're in college, and kids I coached, and and then of course my own boys, and and uh, and then also I'm coaching a team full of kids, and then I got a staff full of young married guys, 
And I, and I swear I'm going to write a book someday. And the book is going to be titled Marriage is Easy. And it's a title nobody would ever pick, right? <laughs> so I feel like just off that, like I'm going to get people to like pick the book up. And the reason that I say that, is it goes all the way back to exactly what Jen was talking about when we first got saved. The guy who like was leading us and discipling us, he was so matter of fact. It's like, here's what the Bible says about this. Here's what the Bible says about that. Here's what the Bible says about that. Here's what it says. You have a choice. You can either be obedient to what the Bible says, or you can choose not to. That's your choice. But when you choose not to, there's consequences that go with that. And when you choose to do what the Bible says, then this is what God's promises are for you. And so I say marriage is easy. And the reason I say that is because I, I typically talk to the men when we go to marriage conferences and we speak at marriage conferences because if the man would just follow the Lord, marriage would be easy. Now, that doesn't mean that your marriage is going to look easy, that there's going to be tough times. If you chose a wife or you got married to a wife who doesn't love Jesus and you're walking with the Lord, that's probably going to be pretty difficult. Or maybe she does love the Lord and she's just doing some things that get on your nerves or there's certain things that you don't like. But that's the Bible says that that's, that's our assignment. I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. And my covenant reminds me often that when I complain about my wife, they remind me, man, isn't it, God, isn't it great that Jesus loves you when you're doing the same things to him? And, uh, and so when I say marriage is easy, it's, it's really to the man to say, what is it that your wife does that makes you just so, you know, mad or angry or, you know, just discontent that you, you, you'll walk outside of what your role is as the husband. Your job is to love her, agape her, lay your life down for her, serve her, come last, to present her as a, as a, you know, without stain or wrinkle or any kind of blemish, this radiant, beautiful bride back to God. That's my job. My job, I don't, she's not here to serve me. She's not here to, to make my life, you know, real easy and do everything. I, no, no, I'm here to do that to her. That's, that's my job. My job is to help. My job is to make sure I'm raising the kids and taking care of the finances and taking care of things at home. Now, you might have things set up in your home that you say, look, you're better at certain things. So, you know, and you guys agree on those things. Great. But it's still my job as the husband to be the shepherd of all my flocks. And so um, that's just kind of an overarching thing. But when you talk about, like, what are some things that we can practically do? Practically, it's study my wife. First Peter 3 says, study your wife. As a husband, I need to study her. I need to know what makes Jen tick. I can literally get Jen a dozen roses every single day. It wouldn't move the needle. There's zero like that. It would be nice. She would think it's nice and she would respond kindly. But there wouldn't be this like, oh, man, you know, this huge movement for her. But. If I spend five minutes, 10 minutes a day massaging her feet, I mean, <laughs> I might, <laughs> that's like going overboard, right? Like, that's the greatest thing in the world for her, or just to sit and listen to her. There's times that my wife tells me, 
I don't even need you to respond. If you could just sit and listen to me tell you about my day or ask you about your day instead of, and, and look, this is something I have to work on all the time, you know, because we get home as men, and, you know, especially now I'm, I'm coaching 200 kids, I'm running all the time and establish a new program, I come home, I'm like, I got to sit down. But man, what, man, my wife has had the same kind of day and I need to sit and just listen to her sometimes. And, uh, and so, but just studying her, what makes her tick? Um, laying my life down for her. There's often times that, you know, I'll get up and, and, and start to wash the dishes or whatever. She go, I can do that. And I'm like, I know you can. I know you can. But it's my job to serve you. And this isn't every day, guys. So like, <laughs> I wish it was. It's not every day. But I would like to say that it's a, a you know, a more consistent thing than not. Um, honoring her and, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kind of spill the beans here. My covenant and I started about uh, almost 20 days ago now. Uh, we decided we're going to do 40 days of Proverbs 31, praising our wives, and finding ways to praise our wives every day and praising them publicly, praising them to them, praising them in our prayer life, just like being intentional about praising her for the things that she does. Number one, praising her for the fact that you know, she allowed me to marry her, right? Like my life could be awful. I just, I can't, I mean, like thinking about some of the choices I was making for, uh, with women before Jen is just mind blowing. So praising her for that, honoring her, her family. And I wish I could say that I do it right all the time. I don't. Um, but really just I trying to put, trying to keep in mind that she is supposed to feel as if she's the queen, that she's number one all the time. That's good. And Jen, what, I, don't do, I don't do a great job all the time. Trust me. No, but it's good. Right. like moving towards that. I mean, it's moving towards right. what God's called us to do and more consistently. And it sounds like you're trying to be as consistent as possible. That's yeah. awesome. All well, right. I think like for Jen, you know, we're 26 years in now, you know, I think that you go, you go through these phases, right? <laughs> you're just in these phases and, and you know, all of a sudden you're in a honeymoon and then you have kids, but still a honeymoon. And then you're in the NFL and you're making all this money and you get to take these cool trips. And, you know, it's just like, okay, we're running really hard for six months, but then we get six months off. And so it's, you know, you're, the ebbs and flows. And now we're eight months, eight years into being done with that life. We're done with that. life. we're done with the professional life and, you know, in and out of hotels and all this. We're done with the traveling and all this stuff. And now we're kind of, you know, settling down into, man, this is real life. And so what I've found is with Jen over the last, you know, especially specifically, I say the last five years is she's really become more in tune with how she really feels. And so she's been able to share some things with me, like, you know, where I thought like I was doing something good and it wasn't that I was doing something bad. It just wasn't what I thought I was doing. And so she's able to kind of like uh, really give me better feedback. So I, and, and there's something I ask her for all the time is, how can I serve you better? How can I love you better? What can I do? Uh, and I mean that. Um, we live in this world, I think, that is skeptical of even the people that we live with and we love, right? Like, yeah, I hear what you say, but do you really mean that? Like, <laughs> I hear that from Jen sometimes. And, uh, and, and we're trying to get to the bottom of that. So yeah. I'll let you. <laughs> oh, thanks. How do I follow that? <laughs> um, and I just, 
I would just say that it's a constant, um, I, I think we're always checking in with each other. We're always trying to figure out, um, you know, what, how can we make this better? It's, it's a growing, um, it, it's something that's growing. And so I think that we're never like content with where we are, but we always want to get better. And a boy with a big sandwich just came in our room. Um, how can we get better? How can we, um, and then how can we translate this to our kids and what they're seeing and, uh, you know, teach them through uh, seeing our marriage. So um, anyway, I'll just stop there because we're, and I don't want to, spin off the track here too far. So <laughs> I guess the last, the, what I would love for you to do, because I've heard you speak about this before and um, then we'll have one more question for you and you can get him some chips or whatever he needs back there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, but talk to me about how you would um, define what God says about being a helper. And so, cause I think that that can be really tricky in marriages sometimes. And I think that, you guys' marriage, it's very evident to me that you're serious about God's word and you're serious about understanding the roles that the Lord has for us as men and women coming together as one body. But how would you teach that? Like God says to be submissive. He says to be a health helper. Um, talk to me about that and, okay. and kind of unpacking that. Well, and I think the thing that really, um, the teaching that I've gotten on it and where I've really come uh, to peace with it is just that in the Bible, God describes the woman as a helper, but he also describes himself as a helper. He describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. And so, you know, we want to take terms and make them what we think they are or the context of our society today and a helper to a lot of people sounds like a maid or you know I'm gonna pick your underwear up off the floor or I'm gonna wipe your toothpaste out of the sink or whatever when when God meant it to be something of of honor and a position that is um, coming alongside um, to to help somebody be the best they can be to help somebody in a um, you know, in a calling that he has uh, for the both of you. And so um, I've always felt just very honored. Um, I love my husband. I think that he's like the greatest man that I've ever met. And so, you know, to come alongside him and to be a helper to him, I think is a very honorable position. And God doesn't um, when you submit to something, that's a voluntary action. It's not something that is forced upon you. And, um, the Bible doesn't, um, you know, force that upon us. It calls us to be submissive as a, unto the Lord. And so I voluntarily come under the Lord Jesus Christ and call him my Lord and Savior. And I also voluntarily come under the headship of my husband. And I picked him, I chose him, and I, God has placed him as the head of our home. And I'm grateful to come under that protection, to come under his umbrella, so to speak, um, of, of his headship. And so 
um, you know, to me, that's a place of honor. And um, we've always, you know, John is always very, um, you know, we consider things together. You know, it's not, I say this, you do this. It's that, um, you know, we're working together to, to, to make our family work, to make, you know, when you, I think when you heard him refer to our career, <laughs> you know, um, obviously I didn't play any downs, but we, it's something that we did together. And, you know, I may have been running kids to school or whatever, and he was on the field, but we feel that it's something that we've done together. And that's, we have a calling together to live this life and to be witness to others and to raise our children to love the Lord. And um, that's a calling that we share. Uh, so, um, and I had a teacher early on that, you know, made, gave me the confidence to say, um, you know, I'm a mom and, you know, that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> and, and that can be enough whatever the Lord has you doing, not, and, and if I had a career, if I was in a career that, that if that's what the Lord has given you, then you do it with everything you have and you'd be excellent with it. Um, so I don't know if that kind of answers your question, but I've always just felt like, um, that it's a place of honor and I've never, I, I don't take offense because I feel like, um, you know, I chose him and I want him to be the head of my home and to help me, you know, raise the kids and all those kind of things. Like I want to do it with him. Which goes back to, again, you know, the whole title of the book thing, right? Marriage is easy. And I think where a lot of women have trouble is either they don't, you know, their view of God isn't necessarily as, you know, Lord and master, it's more a savior or, or the, in the, in the choosing process of a husband, <laughs> they didn't necessarily, maybe the husband doesn't have that heart for the Lord where it's like, as a husband, I should make it easy for my wife to be a helper, to submit to me. That should be easy for her. And it's not about me doing things so that she will submit. It's about me following Christ. God has wired women in such a way that they will respond favorably if they have a heart for the Lord, they will respond favorably to people who lay their lives down for others. And that's really what I should be doing. So in my home, if Jen is to be my helper, she should never feel like what her role is, is less than me. It's just a different role. It's all it is. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're supposed to take on the Trinity in our home, right? God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy spirit. And God is the center of our marriage. And I'm supposed to take on the role of Christ and, She's supposed to take on the role of the Holy Spirit. And I heard, you know, someone like, why does she get to be Jesus Christ? And like, I heard a pastor say one time, okay, what do you want to be the suffering servant? You want to be, you want to be that one? Or you want to be the one that gets to nudge people and convict people? And, you know, and so, uh, and then, and, and I just think that it goes back to the husband making it such a thing that like serving you or, a, 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 you know, being your helper is easy because you're going to use that to now turn it around and serve her and to help her and to uplift her and to exalt her. And, uh, and that's really, um, one of the things I, I think about 
of the, my favorite points of my career, my favorite points of my career was watching Carson Palmer have success on a football field as his backup. And you know, Matt, like when you give somebody a tip, like, hey, you know, try this and it works. Yeah. Like you get more out of that than you do when it happens for you, right? Like you're proud of that. That's why I'm coaching, right? Because you get to help people be their best self. And and so I just think that when when you do, when when women truly understand, like, man, if your husband's following the Lord, it should be really easy for you to be a helper to submit to him because he's really taken that position to now serve you. All right, last thing, you guys, that's awesome. Last thing, so right now you guys are, um, you've started your high school coach in Texas, is that correct? Yep. Are you coaching (laughs) that guy back there? Is he on your team? Yeah, this guy? Yeah. Yeah. He lets me coach him. So this is my my oldest living at home. We have two in college. It's our third. This is our our second quarterback. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be a senior. This is Jalen. He's going to be a senior. And uh, this will be his fourth high school in four years. Wow. The life of living with a coach. And there's a younger one, right? So what grade is he in? He's in eighth grade. Yeah. So he's going to be be in eighth grade? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how old our second one is. But it's exciting, and I think Matt, that's what Matt's doing right now, too, is he's coaching and um, finished his career. He's coaching college kids, trying to teach them how to hit baseballs. And so it's just kind of, I mean, it's just kind of neat. I mean, we're kind of in the same season of life as you all are in, and um, Matt's getting an opportunity to to coach our boys, and um, it's just fun. And so what kind of advice, I guess this is it, we'll close with this one, but what kind of advice, first of all, because you've had more experience coaching your son, and Jenny, you've had experience watching him coach your kids. So what's that like? Tell us what not to do and what you did really well. Because <laughs> it's hard. Or maybe he should speak about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's him. I think, you, again, going back and knowing the personality of each child in your home. So my first son, like, I had just retired from the NFL so I'm literally coming into coaching this high school program and he's going to be a freshman. And like, I'm living in, I'm still, I'm still a pro mindset. Right. And you know, it's just like, you never turn it off when you're a pro. It's like, you're just constantly trying to get better. and You're always thinking about it. You can't understand like son, why aren't you, why aren't you watching film? Like, what are you doing? We, we should be getting better. You want to, you want to see this install? Like, he yeah. just made too much pressure on him, right? Like, and, uh, but he, he did a good job. He said that he tells kids that we talk to that are being coached by their dad, you know, we get questions and he'll tell kids, when I stop looking at my dad as dad at practice and look at him as coach, everything got better. And for me, he really helped me understand boundaries. Like he's like, dad, this he, like, he still brings it up. He acts as if I did it every day. But he said, when you bring stuff that I did at home and then blast me at practice, like, that's why I didn't throw that ball well is because I was doing this at home. He said, that ain't right. <laughs> and he's right, you know. So we learned a lot. Jen learned a lot. You know, she just would read the room as, you know, because I'm driving him to and from school and practice. And he's having to ride with me. We come home and he's not talking. And Jen's like, all right, what happened, you know? And so 
She's got to speak to us separately. She's like a counselor. <laughs> this one's, he's easier. Like, he's just like, you know, eh, all right, dad's mad. So what, man? Get over it, dad. You know, kind of like deal. I'm the opposite of him. <laughs> I'm the opposite of him. Right, right. That happens with the second one. Yep. So uh, it's just, it's, you're constantly learning. It's almost like marriage. Uh, the hard thing about coaching your own kid is your eyes are always kind of, you always see what he's doing. And so the standard is higher. And uh, because you're not watching every kid the same way you're watching your own kid. And, yeah. and so you see little things and, and then you played at a pro level, you're like, this will help you try this. And, you know, sometimes they're just like, look, I'm not ready for all that. You know, like get back up a little bit. So I think you got to listen to them. Listen to your wife. Uh, you know, many times she's like, you you know, you got to ease up or you, you got to handle that differently, blah, blah. The greatest thing happened, though. We moved to Texas. It's going into a senior year. He's at a seven-on-seven tournament, and all I can do is watch. You can't coach him. So we're watching, and, you know, four or five games in, Jordan is just running it. He's all over the place, and they played this team that was loaded. Like, they looked like professional football players. And uh, it, was, it was evident early on that we probably weren't going to win the game. And his <laughs> body language and demeanor changed. And she's like, what's wrong with him? What's he doing? What is that? Fuck. I'm like, I know. That's, that's what I see sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right? so she got to see it. It got on to him. So that I, I felt a little bit of redemption. But, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to coach your own. But it's also so rewarding. I mean, it's a, I get to, every day. It's the joy of my life, going to practice and watching him. And, He's a senior. He's just leading fourth high school in four years. Doesn't matter. He's telling guys what to do. He's all over the place. And I just kind of, you know, I, I'm almost whispering into his ear, and then he just runs it, you know. So it's, it's kind of a lot of fun. And every kid is different. Every kid is different. Try to coach my daughter one time. No chance. Zero <laughs> chance of that. She was like, Dad, get away from me. <laughs> so oh, incredible. It's always changing. I think as a mom, you're – you know, you're kind of the referee when they get home sometimes and, and uh, bring, bring dad down a little bit and lift, lift child up a little bit. But, you know, but I know other moms. I know I, I got some moms that are like, you need to be harder on him. What is, what's he doing? You know, so it just depends on what your personality is and your kids. So all about knowing them. That's good. What college are you at, Matt? At Oklahoma State. Okay. Yeah, my brother's the head coach, and so I'm the, I'm the volunteer. And – my son is going to be a junior. He's committed to come here to play baseball. That's awesome. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. Nice. That was, this last year was my first year coaching. So we only played 18 games or whatever before COVID hit. So we didn't quite even make it through one year. But we're, uh, hopefully we'll get to have a fall practice situation and get the kids back around and get the Bible study going back again. And so hopefully uh, that will get to happen. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and spending so much time with us today. This has been great. Appreciate it. I learn from you every time, every time. So I love it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing what you're doing. This is great. Yeah, Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, check out sportsspectrum.com.